Welcome to the QAV podcast. If you're brand new, I just want to introduce the podcast a little bit so you know what you're getting yourself into. If you've listened to the show before, feel free to just fast forward a minute or two. If you're brand new, here's the deal. Uh, my name's Cameron Riley. Tony Kynaston is an old friend of mine. He's a very successful share market investor. I'm talking very, very, very successful. He's been doing it 30 years. He's one of the best in the country in terms of a private investor. Very good uh, track record over 30 years. And what this podcast is about is Tony basically teaches me everything that he knows about investing in the stock market. And you get to listen. But if you're coming into this for the first time, you'll find that this episode, the current episodes, assume a certain level of prior knowledge. We assume that you know what we're talking about, his system, his methodology, which we explain in earlier episodes. So feel free to listen if you want to get the vibe for what's going on, but some of it's not going to make much sense unless you understand what the checklist is, etc. I recommend if you're brand new, you go back and listen to uh, Season 3, Episode 1, Episode 3 and Episode 5, where we go into Tony's background and his system and his methodology in a lot more detail. And then feel free to listen to the contemporary episodes, the current episodes. You'll understand more of the context of what we're talking about. With that, let's get into today's show. Okay. Welcome to QAV, Tony Kynaston, episode 356, uh, this day of our Trump, Monday the 23rd of November 2020. Uh, where do you want to start this week? Uh, you want to talk about why our portfolio is lagging the all odds? Well, it is for the month, but have a look at its, its total performance. Yeah, it is for the for the year, for our... This oh, new year, year you know, September, October, okay. November. I'm assuming it's got something to do with uh, our investment in gold stocks of recent mm-hmm. times and the hit that they took and also sort of the all odds. So, yeah, after, after pays in the all odds now, isn't it? So uh, it'll be getting well, a lot it is, of- Yeah, it's top 20. Yeah. Getting so the the, the biggest reason is the bank stocks have gone up. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, since the vaccine news came out, uh, everyone's gone, okay, maybe it's not going to be too bad. And uh, particularly the bank stocks are all up 10% or so. Right. And and they're a really good portion of the All Lords Index. So uh, unfortunately we don't have Macquarie Bank in our or Macquarie Group in our dummy portfolio, but um, that would have given it a good solid boost in the last uh, couple of weeks. Right. Yeah. Because okay. Macquarie Group's on our, on our buy list and, and I own it. Yeah. Um, so that's that's at least gone as good as the other major banks. But that's that's the main difference is no banks in the dummy portfolio and as you said, some gold stocks which have gone down. Yeah. We uh but what I find what I find intriguing is all these articles I'm reading in the last week or so saying it's a flight to value. <laughs> People are out of growth and they're going into value. Uh, yeah, okay. But like okay, the the banks the banks are good value, but um it's not not really a flight to value. It's just some people have bought into bank stocks. That's all it is. They think that's value. Yes, you know, Qantas and Sydney airports and things like that too, Transurban. Right. And if you look at the performance of the well, the best performing stocks in the last week or so, they've been Flight Centre and Qantas and, and tourism type stocks that uh, were beaten down very heavily during COVID and are only coming back now that there's a vaccine. 
and the borders are opening up. But, uh, you know, a lot of the stocks that, that we were holding went down in March and, and rebounded quite strongly since then. Right, Probably. right. Mm. And we sold uh, one of our gold stocks last week, Regis Resources. Steve Mab mm-hmm. emailed us this afternoon saying he thinks we did it uh, too soon. But it hit our three-point trend line and rules is rules, as you said to me last week, or I said to you last week, one of the – something like that. Pre- premature ejection, he's saying. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he wasn't saying that, to be fair to Steve. Um, <laughs> You're making him sound a lot funnier than he is. So come on. He's, a, he's, he's on he the said- board of the Australian Shareholders Association. You can't be that funny. <laughs> And he's got RSI as well. Yeah. From premature ejection. <laughs> oh, you're in a mood? How much have you been drinking today? It's only <laughs> four o'clock down there. What do you you start early today on the Negronis? No, I haven't. No, to be to be fair to Steve, he's saying we should he was using the RSI indicator, the relative strength index. And oh. um, Regis Resources wasn't a sell according to that. Mm. So you could be right. We'll see. But it certainly crossed our our sell point right. last week. Yeah. Um, yeah. That uh, talking about the flight to value you just mentioned reminds me of a quote I threw into our uh, newsletter today. I was watching a video over the weekend by a guy. It was an interview with a guy called Bruce Greenwald. He's the Robert Highbrun Professor Emeritus of Asset Management and Finance at uh, Columbia Business School and uh, the author of Value Investing from Graham to Buffett and Beyond. And uh, he's just put out a new edition of that. And he was being interviewed by Tano Santos, who is the David L. and Elsie M. Dodd Professor of Finance and Faculty Director of the Heilbrunn Center. <laughs> Don't know why I have feel compelled to say it like that, but I just do. <laughs> and uh, it was funny. He was saying that the first edition of the book, when it came out, everyone was saying value investing was dead. The second edition has come out. People are again saying value investing <laughs> is dead. But I, I took this quote from uh, the video. He said, what value investing has always been consists of two basic ideas. The first is you look for opportunities where nobody else is looking and you stay away from the crowds that are overpaying for glamorous opportunities. That hasn't gone away. The second thing, a Mm. tradition of approaching valuations with a clarity and a precision that normal investors don't. It's more than just slapping a multiple on things and saying, okay, this is a growing business. It's worth 40 times earnings. Um, And then he he goes on to talk about how value investing has changed, evolved since uh, Graham's day and, and the early Buffett days and all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, I know that the way that you do it, the way you teach it is a little bit different again, but mm-hmm. those two things remain the same, right? We're, we're looking for yeah. missed opportunities and we're paying a lot of attention to valuing them and, uh, you know, determining what, is, what we think is a good buy. Yeah, no, definitely. I agree, I agree with those those quotes. And we've struggled when we get other people on the show quite often to get them to explain their valuation. It's been a common yeah. theme I've noticed over the last couple of years. Whenever we, it doesn't matter who it is. Whenever we ask them, well, how do you how do you decide what the intrinsic value of something like this or something is? They they, they stumble around. It's, uh, it's fascinating to me. You know, because I've only been doing this for a couple of years now. But if somebody asked me, well, how do you guys 
determine the value of a stock, I'd be able to articulate it, you know, in a minute or two, I think, by, mm-hmm. uh, you know, high level. They don't, not many people we've had on the show as guests have been able to do that. Why do you think that is? Uh, I think it's a twofold problem. I think it actually is very hard to value stocks, but uh, I think it's the bigger problem is that most people value stocks relatively rather than fundamentally. And what I mean by that is they'll say things like, well, it's a growing company and they, they usually, they get sold at, you know, 40 times earnings or 40 or four times sales or 10 times sales. It's a software as a service business and therefore it should be sold at 10 times sales or 50 times sales or whatever. Uh, but, but who says that? Why should it be sold? At, why, why should you buy it and pay 50 times sales? It's because that's what everyone else does. So that's that's a relative valuation, and that's that's where I think people get, you know, a bit a bit lost in terms of valuing things. Mm. It's a bit like when you go and buy a house. Uh, you could look at it fundamentally and say, well, it'll cost me this much more to, you know, it'll cost me this much to build a house if it was to be knocked over. Or you could look at it and say, well, if I rented it out, I get this much yield, and that that places a value on it. Or you could say that as real estate agents do. The one down the road sold for a million dollars. This one's a bit nicer. It sells for 1.2. Mm. That's the relative valuation. I think that's where people lose sight of, of you know, the right metrics to value a company. Right. So most of the valuations we've heard, I think, have been relative ones, if we've ever heard any. <laughs> yeah. We, we, generally, we generally hear things like uh, it's growing. Yes. We don't, we don't, we don't hear things like it's, it's fair value or it's above its value or it's below its value. They just say it's growing. Yeah, good management, you know, uh, solid, uh, good people, good story. Uh, they investing in R and D. Remember that mm-hmm. was one of Rudy's uh, things, but um, yep. yeah, and he's right. And they that those those things do make a good company. Yeah, but that's different to a good investment. Yeah, and people lose sight of that all the time. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not taking the piss of anyone, obviously, but it's been genuinely surprising to me how difficult it has been for people to articulate it. Now, I mean, some of it might just be that they've never had to articulate it before, um, but you know, even when you you and I started doing this show, I don't think you were in the habit of having to articulate <laughs> how you did this. But you know, you. you you, I mean, you were, you could do it. At least it was all written down. It was all written down. We just went through it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could do it. You you, you were a little bit waffly about it at first, but <laughs> no, no. I mean, and I, I mean that in the nicest <laughs> way, just because you, you weren't in the habit of now you're smooth as butter, right? Because you've done it for two years every week. But uh, but most of the won't, people won't be long before I'm playing Flight of the Bumblebee, will it? <laughs> 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 but uh yeah anyway it's just surprised me how few people are able to articulate you know why they invest uh, in in what yeah. they invest in even the professionals who who do it for a living mm. Mm. no definitely anyway enough of that um so back to our portfolio so uh we're trailing the all lords for the last couple of months but uh I'm guessing you're not Concerned about that? No, because if you look at the performance since we started the portfolio, the All Lords is down negative five percent, and our portfolio is up something like ten percent. So yeah, that's just going to keep widening over time. It might, you know, might slow down a bit now if the All Lords goes for a run, but that happens from time to time. It happens in the short term. In the long term, we'll um, we'll outperform. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thought you'd say mm. that. 
See, <laughs> I've been listening, and you're very you're, you're predictable. Uh, <laughs> what's next? Uh, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk Make about prediction. Let's talk about some of our journal entries uh, from last week, shall we? Uh, what do you think sure. the highlights were in your uh, journal entries? I can't even remember what they were. Yeah. <laughs> do you have them in front of you? I do. Yeah. Well, I don't, but okay, I will. Send me a few pictures. <laughs> <laughs> we sold Regis, which we spoke about. Yeah. Now you uh, told me that I should replace it with uh, Grange Resources GRR in the QAV portfolio, but in your own portfolio, you replaced it with one of my old favourites, unfortunately, which I no longer own, so I don't get to take advantage oh. of the. Uh, Bump the price probably took when you bought it last week. <laughs> the reject shop. The reject shop. That's right. Yeah, I bought some reject shop last week. Yeah, haven't seen how it's going. I haven't looked since last week. But yeah, I sold my re- my um, Regis resources and bought the reject shop, mm. uh, which was the next the next one on my buy list that I hadn't owned and was big enough for me to buy into. Right. Yeah. It's uh, trading around about six dollars eighty four at the moment. Um, down from its highs of, uh, I think it got up as high as $8 at one point. So it's back yeah, I down. Think, uh, I think retail's taken a bit of a, has come off along along the lines of the gold stocks. So uh, I think the reject shop had a great run after COVID because people, people were thinking that, you know, it was uh, customers were going to be hit by economic hard times and they go and shop down market, and that's kind of uh, changed. The opinion on that's changed a bit after the use of a vaccine on the horizon and borders opening. So we'll see what happens from there. But it's still, it's still uh, a very cheap stock. We we're talking about valuations before. Let me just call up the the buy list here. I'm just uh, looking at its uh, buy line because I know everyone wants us to do a lot more buy line charts. Mm-hmm. Um, when you bring it up, tell me what you're using. I, I assume your first point is around back in sort of uh, March 2016. Your second point, I'm guessing sort of uh, August 2020 maybe? Uh, first first point on the byline I've got at March 16, as you said. And then if I have a look at yeah, it would almost be it's it's changed over the time as it's as it's gone up really. So the current the current buy point is um quite high up. It's really around the current price. But um the last time we had to sell this, where would that be? That would have been around I'm thinking maybe around uh I'm doing this quickly, April 2019 was probably the last time we sold it. So if I look at the first sort of buy signal after that, um, yeah, I would use the the second highest point as July 2016 at um, 12.51 and draw my buy lines from there. Okay, hold so on. So it's, it's basically the highest point with the next highest point to the right is the graph I'm using or the method I'm using. What's the second point? July 2016. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Really? So you're not using the rightmost peak, you're just taking that one? Well, like I said, uh, you can use the rightmost peak, in which case the byline is around the current price. Yeah. 
Yeah, but um, but also I think it's I think it's it's um, if you follow the sequence of the byline follows a cell line. Yeah. If we look back and see when the last time it was a cell, it's it's going to be around about uh, I'm going to say around March 2019. So if you take if we take the current, it's nowhere near a cell line at the moment. If we take the current low point, which is uh, that one's 197, that one's 178, is um, June 2019. That would have, would have been a cell before that. So if we go back a bit and take the second lowest point, that would have been October 2018. And if you take that lowest point, and then the next one's next one to the right of that. It was a cell soon after that, and then it would have been yeah by a buy back in probably around December two thousand and nineteen. Oh, hold on a second. Um, don't we have to scroll the graph back uh, if we're going to do this, and you know take the go back five years from that point in time, like five yeah, years before twenty eighteen. Yep, strictly speaking, we should. So, if we so you can either use the rightmost peak, which gives us a buy price around its current price. Yeah, or you go back to try and work out when the last sell was. Yeah, right. And then the first buy after that was our buy. Okay. Which is a bit of historical reconstruction, as you say. Yeah. Because if you think about it, it's been it's been on our buy list for a while, ever since um since COVID. So uh, yeah, you know, it, the buy the buy is going to be. Um, around that sort of start of the year time, right? If we take that uh, those two points you said before, back in both mm-hmm. of them back in 2016, correct? Yeah. So uh, the first one is March 2016, and the second one is July 2016. Right. So it was a buy then uh, late 2019, around about two dollars fifty. Yes, that's right. And it's been a that's buy ever since. Yep. I'll do a screenshot of that, throw it up for the peeps. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just look like, you know, if you forget about all the stuff around lines, if you just have a look at the graph, it kind of bottoms out in that period that goes from, say, October 18 through to the COVID cough. And it's been in a general upturn since then. So you know, even if you just want to sort of eyeball it from a macro point of view, it's, it's really around after March that it becomes a buy. A solid right. buy. Right. Yeah. And uh, what was its um, QAV score? I, I don't know what it was when we bought it originally, but when I bought it last week, the QAV score was 30, 0. 0.36, which 0. 36. is quite high. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I see it. And that was, the point I, that was the point I wanted to make about valuation. I mean, this is a company which is operating – um, you know, quite extensively throughout Australia, and we're paying 1.5 times operating cash flow. Right. So if you think about it, if you use a coffee shop analogy, this is operating cash flow, especially in a retail situation. The reject shop, you know, store is going to be not too dissimilar to the coffee shop store. Mm. Uh, and oper- operating cash flow is basically it's you know all its sales coming in less the costs of getting those sales. So it's pretty close to gross margin or gross profit in terms of, you know, what, what you know, the way to think of it. Um, and it's gross profit, so we haven't taken out all the other things you take out, like financing and taxes and depreciation and blah, blah, blah. Mm. But we're paying only 1.5 times the gross profit of this company. Yeah. So it's we, cool. get, we get paid back in 18 months. It's, it's, to me, it's a, it's a whatever you value with that, it can't be worth much less than what it's trading for now. Yeah. Cool. 
And uh, remind you, so you didn't buy Grange Resources for your own portfolio because it's too small. Is that right? The average Correct. daily trade. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Right. Mm. Okay. Whereas the reject shop is one point six million average daily trade, and Grange is two hundred and fifty million. Uh, let's look at some of the other highlights from last week. You pointed out uh, we were talking last week about Hawthorne Resources, another one of our gold stocks, and I think the only stock oh, yeah. in the QAV portfolio that's underwater currently. Um, you said but. that, <laughs> but sorry, go go ahead. <laughs> you said that it's got a, a dividend that was or is going to be paid to share or would have been paid like uh, last late last week, right, twentieth of November. Yeah, so in fact, I'll just have a look at the announcements if there's anything here for it now. Yeah, we should have picked up nearly four cents in terms of a um, a special uh, return, a return of capital and a special dividend. They split it up for probably for tax reasons. Uh, going back, there's, let's see now. I'll get the exact numbers. Okay, so there's a 2.469 return of capital and a 0.0157 special dividend. So roughly 2.5 cents for return of capital and 1.5, 1.6 for special dividend. But we should add those to our dummy portfolio now, so which is ha- what, 4.1 cents? I just listed as a dividend. Yeah, I think it's sim- yeah, I think it's simple enough to list as a dividend in our dummy portfolio. So it's how if, much? Four point one six cents. Uh, well, it's it's um, the numbers are quite long. It's return of capital is point oh two four six nine oh eight seven three seven cents <laughs> or dollars, <laughs> and uh, and the special dividend is point. This is dollars point zero one five seven eight six nine nine one four is a special dividend. What was that <laughs> first one again? Point oh point oh two four six two four six nine. Yeah. Oh eight seven three seven. Wow. So I can I think the have gotten involved here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll add those up and I get point oh four oh four seven seven eight six five one. Mm-hmm. So that that gets Added to the portfolio since it was paid out last week. Now, people, I don't own Hawthorne, but people who do own Hawthorne, I know some of our listeners do, uh, should be receiving their notifications if they haven't already pretty soon, which will have all the details around that. And they'll probably also have it spelt out in terms of the return of capital and the dividend. Uh, I'm hoping there'll be some other supporting documentation about what they've received as tax advice, although it'll obviously be qualified by the fact that they can't give specific tax advice. But oftentimes in these circumstances, the dividend component, which is the smaller part, is going to be taxable and the return of capital may not be. Um, although it may have to be added to your capital gains uh, cost base, which will have a tax impact in the future when you sell. Right. But yeah, I mean, your accountants can help you with that. When it comes to tax time, and just give them to pass on the documentation, and I'll sort it out for you. Right. Well, that's a that's a nice little bump Ooh. for us. Point oh four. So I think last week we talked about Hawthorne, and I said I thought it was the gold price coming down that was um, the problem, and that might be part of it. But I think it's the fact that people had factored in that once the stock went X dividend and capital return. That it was worth four cents a share less, and it dropped from fourteen back to ten. Right, because as you as you know, the process is always the shares go ex dividend for a period until they 
Uh, they, they, they trade come dividend first, and if you buy it, that means you, you're entitled to that dividend and return of capital. And then there's a gap between when it goes, when they rule off the books and say anyone who buys after this date doesn't get the special dividend. Yeah. That's called ex-dividend, but it, that could be a period of time then before that dividend is received by the shareholder. So the people who were buying at ex-dividend weren't going to pay 14 cents when 4 cents was on its way that they weren't getting, so they pay 10. Well, adding that to our portfolio just knocked our growth uh, this uh, year you know, when we started uh, at the beginning of September up to 10 point, no, uh, 8.04%, sorry. So we've jumped from six up to eight. Made a big difference. Closing the gap. 300 bucks. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it is. Yeah. So I'm sorry I didn't remember that last week when we talked about it, but I think that's the reason why Hawthorne's dropped. And if I look at it now, which I think today's the first trading day after it paid a dividend, it's up 5% today. Right. So I am hoping that you're being – well, you know, good. It's a good stock on our buy list that it will continue to trade upwards from here. Right. All right. Um, good. Well, I think that's enough of uh, journal notes from last week because we need to get into questions. I had no questions at nine o'clock this morning, and now I have a ton. <laughs> so, thank you to everybody who was paying attention on the Facebook page today and started sending through questions. You're a good question wrangler. Yes, that's one of my many, well, few <laughs> skills. <laughs> Here's from Tim. Hi, Cameron Riley. I'm still struggling with the three-point line on the sell side and was hoping that TK and yourself could check out SSG and ADH, please. I saw Mark Mangano post last week with regards to SSG sell at 0.93 cents. My sell was lower, so I must be using points on the chart that are incorrect. I thought the dip due to COVID around the end of March wasn't being used. Is this correct? And then he has another one about ADH, but let's talk about SSG. Yes, shaver shop group. So, I mean, the first point to make is, um, you know, sorry that Mark cursed Tim, sorry, and Mark sold out maybe a little bit early, but they can always buy back in. But um, they would have made hopefully a good deal of money on the way because the buy, the buy on shaver shop group would have been somewhere maybe just a little bit north of 50 cents. And it's now trading at a dollar and five. And if they sold out at ninety three, they still made you know a decent sort of return in a couple of months. So it's certainly good. Um, in terms of its sell, no, I think we definitely need to use the COVID cough as the lowest point on the graph, uh, which is March twenty twenty, obviously. And that that price is uh, the closing price for that month is thirty one cents. But this um, then becomes another one of those sort of sh- upward Schrodinger's or bunny balls, as we call them, going forward. So it's it's kind of the second the second um, line that we would have used in the past was forty three and a half cents in April twenty twenty, and if you draw that line up, it's been crossed going up, probably about where these guys may have sold out. So September uh, it, it was eighty eight five. It closed in September this year. And there was a bit of a dip between the end of August and the end of September, so I could see that that was a reason for selling. But it's then rocketed up again, up to a dollar five today. So, the, the, I guess the interesting thing for me is um, maybe I need to, you know, review my guidelines for these kinds of rocketing up share prices. But I haven't seen this kind of um, reversal from a big downturn because of COVID 
for well over 10 years. I mean, the last time we saw stock markets crash and then rebound was GFC, so maybe 2009, and before that, 2002. But maybe, I don't know, maybe we just have to have a bit more tolerance when shares are on their way up like this because they do sort of go up and then cross their line and then go up again. I'm, For me, I'm quite happy selling out and either putting the money back into something else, which is clearer, or buying back in once the, the line's reestablished. And I know you have to pay transaction costs and taxes if you do that, but if you really like the stock, then it's probably worth it because you've taken the risk out of it of, of having a big downturn. But I'm wondering whether we need some kind of tolerance built in here, uh, like you know maybe there has to be two clear months of downturn or something like that. Um, because we had the same problem with GGAR, with um, Gear, sorry, GEAR, the the beta shares, Gear, the Australian share market fund, and, and it had a similar upward trajectory that that was going up very steeply and and just deviated a little bit, um, which was enough to for me to sell it. But it's it's again, of course, uh, gone kept going upwards with the rise in the Australian share market with the ASX going up. So yeah look I, I appreciate the problem and I you know I apologize if uh, if Tim and Mark feel a bit negative about the system but that's that, that's how I do it and it's this is a very unusual circumstance so walk me through looking at the SSG charts let's mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about the byline yep so high point is going back to uh sort of 2016, late 2016? Yeah, September 2016 at $1.19. And what would you use as the second point then, sort of uh, just before the COVID cough, February 2020? I was, correct, yeah. yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the current buy price, you know, would be around 55 cents. Yeah. Um, and But the sell, you're taking the bottom at the COVID cough, March 2020 is the first point. Correct. And then going through the next month, April, the next lowest point. Yes. So it's like sh- almost straight up. Yep. So, yeah, then it becomes a becomes a Schrodinger. And, yeah, well, uh, yep, that's right, it does. Yep. So it's currently both above the buy price and below the sell price. Sorry, now or back in April? Well, now it would be. It's above the buy price, but if you draw that line straight up, the sell price um, – is uh, oh, it's a yeah. The sell price is like dollar twenty if you draw that line straight up. If you use the April one as a second one, but I think what happens or what I would do is over time as it's gone along, there's another uh, another, buy, another another trough sell. point. Yeah, right. Yeah, which is um, in September 2020. So if you use that as a second point, it's just touching the sell point, sell point again now. Right. So you're right. It's kind of a Schrodinger, isn't it? It's just touching its sell point, but it's well above its buy point. Mm. Mm. Okay. Tricky. So again, yeah, these ones are these ones are a bit tricky, I think. Yeah, which is why they're a bunny boiler. Yeah, exactly. Very tricky to handle. <laughs> <laughs> we flirt with them and then we regret it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we have to buy our kids a new rabbit. <laughs> Oh, it's all fun and games until you come home and have to buy the kids a new rabbit. <laughs> Let's look at Tim's other one, uh, ADH. Well, that's the end of the free episode for this week. For the brand new folks, I want you to know that each week we have a free episode and a premium episode. Free episode runs about half an hour. 
premium episode usually runs for an extra half hour to an hour, depending on how many questions we have from our audience that week, because we spend a lot of that time answering questions. Uh, if you want to check out the premium episodes, you can go up to our website, qavpodcast.com.au, and sign up for the two-week free trial. You get to have a look at the uh, premium episodes. You get to have a look at the checklist, the getting started guide, all of the video content that we have. Uh, you get invited to our VIP dinners and our VIP Zoom calls for club members. You get to ask Tony questions that we can answer. You get to get invited to our uh, Facebook group, our private Facebook group, etc., etc. So, And also we get a, a private uh, club member newsletter each week we send out as well with some stuff in it. So check that out, qavpodcast.com.au. But as I said, if you're brand new and you want to, you're trying to figure out what's going on, Go back and listen to Season 3, Episodes 1, 3, and 5, 301, 303, and 305. And then you might also want to go back and listen to Season 1 as well, all of the free episodes in Season 1, where we go into a lot of detail about Tony's system and methodology and figure out if this is right for you, if it's something that you want to go further with, if you want to learn how to invest like Tony does, then you can check out the uh, QAV Club. Uh, the other thing I always have to say is we're not financial advisors, so don't take anything you hear on this as financial advice. This is just here to teach how one guy invests and thinks about investing. If you need financial advice or tax advice, please go see a financial advisor or a tax advisor. Uh, with that, stay safe. Good luck with your investing, and we'll be back next week.